0: Hello everyone and uh, welcome to PLG Confessions. I'm Alex Poulos, your host for today, and I'm excited to have uh, Tom Edima, founder and CEO of Bubbles, as my guest in this episode. We will be talking or confessing on how to build a startup that is product led from the very beginning. What are some of the learnings and pitfalls that Tom as a founder has experienced? We'll cover onboarding, activation, monetization, virality, and how an early stage company is prioritizing how to tackle all of them. Tom, welcome. Thank you so much. Um, last time we met, you were wearing a Stranger things t-shirt. You're not wearing that today. Uh, but just to uh, just to warm up here, uh, what is on top on top of your uh, to watch list right now and what show would you recommend to uh, to the audience and why?
1: Yeah, I do love stranger things. Um, let's see. Right now, I'm looking forward to, I think it's called Shantaram on Apple TV. Um, it reminds me of uh, some of my favorite movies, Lion and the White Tiger, uh, Dunk Millionaire, and so on. Um, nice. Yeah. And then I also have a recommendation. There is this hidden gem. It's called The Nick. It's for the, it's short for the Knickerbocker Hospital. Not many people know of it, but it's about some of the early inventions of surgeons. Um, So it's a period piece, and it's kind of a dramatized look of how they actually invented some of these operations and surgeries in a very very gruesome way, but
0: very practical way. Very practical. I haven't heard of that. That's an excellent suggestion. Thank you. uh, Thank you so much for sharing. I'm glad I asked that question. Yep. At this point, I will share that I've known uh, Tom for a while now, uh, maybe more than more than a year, and I've been following him starting and growing Bubbles. So first and foremost, you know, congratulations on this journey, Tom. Uh, can you share a bit about what Bubble does, Bubbles da- does and, and where you are with the company right now?
1: Yeah, of course. So Bubbles is an async video conversation platform, and it's especially helpful if you work remotely, if you're cross time zone. Uh, I actually um, started with Bubbles because in my prior company, I experienced some of these issues. I felt it was really hard to convey my point to share thoughts and ideas remotely. Mm-hmm. Just to be able to show what I'm talking about was actually not easy. And so that's at the core of Bubbles, you know, using context to show what you're talking about by recording yourself, recording your screen, uh, but also not just sharing a video with, with other people, but allowing them to easily respond to you in a you know, very contextual way, right? So with Bubbles, you're sharing an asynchronous meeting uh, rather than just a video. You're able to go back and forth using video to really start a topic or a meeting and then close it out with a decision or a problem solved. Um, you you asked this about- process super easy yeah (laughs) yes we yeah so actually yes and this is why i think i i I like this um the kind of topic here about plg confessions and that i'm a big proponent of plg i'm sure we'll get into that um and for bubbles you know we've been able to really use plg to our advantage by making it really easy to get started you don't have to sign up you don't have to install anything you don't download anything it's fully web compatible and in the same way because it's a collaboration tool you're looking to collaborate with other people and so when you share bubbles with someone you can literally just copy and paste the link on slack or whatever platform you use the other person Mm -hmm. then also doesn't need to go through an onboarding process they can immediately intuitively use it Uh, and so that's how we try to really have everyone experience that aha moment of why you might want to collaborate asynchronously using video. Um, yeah, I th- you asked a little bit about our our, our path so far. Um, and so you know, what I can share is that we're a very scrappy team. We're just 10 people. Um, but we're 10 very motivated people and trying to really uh, democratize, you could say, asynchronous video collaboration. And so this is another reason why I think PLG is very relevant for us because with a team of 10 people, you're not going to get that critical mass if you have to do your own distribution, right? And so at the core of PLG is that you create ambassadors and those users, those ambassadors will do a lot of that work for you. And so, you know, this is one of the reasons um, why Bubbles is really embracing uh, product-led growth.
0: Got it. So going back when you started the company, and you said you you have experienced that challenge before. When you started the company, it was a very conscious decision to use PLG as your, you know, as as your model, right? To to acquire, you know, enable uh, users and also uh, build virality ro- loops. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, if you're um,
1: curious about the rationale behind that. <laughs> Uh, Of course, right? It's a
0: confession, right? Please
1: confess. So, I mean, there's two ways of looking at that. One is the more first principle way. Um, How do I optimize, you could say, my uh, cost per acquisition, but also my customer lifetime value? Um, And it's interesting because the distribution channels you focus on don't just affect your cost per acquisition. They can also affect your customer lifetime value. It's because Mm -hmm. of user expectations. Uh, If you are a PLG product, generally, um, your users need to be able to get started immediately. And if you ask them to insert a credit card, it's usually for a lower ticket price. Right. And so once you start giving away your product at that low price, it becomes harder to then uh, land a larger enterprise deal for, you know, a, a much bigger ticket price. And so that's how that choice of lowering your CAC can also potentially lower your CLV. It doesn't always have to do that, but it's something you need to be conscious of. So that's the kind of first principle is how how do you, does it make sense for your product and your business to get to that really low cost per acquisition? Um, And I would say that makes sense if you need this kind of critical mass right and so a product like uh, in in collaboration where there are expectations around collaboration tools generally being quite affordable for example slack um, zoom etc you you are going to need a lot of mass a lot of users to make that have that business make sense right conversely if what you do has um, a much longer kind of onboarding process you know maybe it's something in security or uh, some kind of vendor management system and so on Mm -hmm. um, you may be able to charge much higher prices and so uh you can um accept a higher cost per acquisition as well so that's kind of the 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 first principle way of how i like to think about you know deciding if, if plg makes sense for you um the other way though is that you know as as a founder and as people working on at an early stage company it's not always easy and so you really need to be very passionate about what you're doing and mm-hmm. personally i'm very passionate about this idea of if we improve the product then our users will you know have more value get more value from the product and so will help us grow right and these users our users being let's say their incentives being aligned with us as a company, I think is something that uh, makes a lot of sense to me. And so, uh, you know, it's something that I would be very passionate about as a, as a founder.
0: Got it. Got it. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, early, early experience, right. You, you do have a freemium offering to get started with bubbles. Um, I am, I'm curious, was it obvious to start with a freemium offering versus, say, a free trial, and and if so, like, what what drove that decision when you were starting?
1: Yeah, well, we're still working on some of the the details for our paid plan, but I would say, uh, yes, freemium makes a lot of sense to me for PLG. But at the same time, I don't think that freemium and free trial are mutually exclusive, and so uh, I would say most. Uh, Successful, fast-growing, bottom-up P. saw PLG companies tend to combine the two. That's because they both have their pros and cons. Uh, in terms of freemium, I'd say the biggest advantage is that uh, as a as a user, you n- don't have that fear of potentially losing all your work and losing all your data. And so it mm-hmm. becomes uh, there's less friction in, in really giving this a try and really sharing it with your team and uh, you know actually going through that effort. On um, the other hand, free trial can, you know, give that extra push to actually pay and actually insert your credit card details uh, simply because you have no other choice to, you know, keep the features that you've been using. And so if you can kind of get users on board and experience that aha moment using freemium, but then as they are experiencing experiencing it, you can, for example, say, well, congrats, we've given you this upgraded tier for free but it's only going to last for 30 days then you might be able to get the benefits of both
0: got it this is uh it's a great way to think about that um so so starting with freemium and now you're you're a seed stage company what has been your north star metric up to now right in your journey because i would like to focus a lot on on your journey Mm -hmm. as you're growing the company so have you had a single north star metric up to now and or has that changed
1: yeah. So yes, it is one metric that has intuitively always made a lot of sense to me and I've always been focused on, and it's what I like to call short-term stickiness. And specifically, we look at the percentage of our new users who've never experienced mm-hmm. bubbles before. That uh, comes back on another day in the same week, right? And so there's a few things there that are really important. First, they must. This must have been the first time that they experienced the product, and second, mm-hmm. um, they must have really stopped using it for 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 some time. Let's say they've gone to sleep and they came back and they, from their own initiative, decided to come back to the platform and use it again, give it another try. I think that's really the first step to, um, you know. G- g- getting to a product that, let's say, is viable for, for PLG because you're going to need to create ambassadors. And so um, there has to be a lot of buy-in from your users. Mm-hmm. They have to be really mm-hmm. excited about the product. Mm-hmm. That means that that first experience has to be so convincing that they come back from their own initiative. And so that's been yeah. our really North Star metric for quite a long time. Um uh Once you... Kind of have that at a point where you're 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 happy. You think that first time experience is 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 good. It's great. Uh, you know. Then we start to look more at uh, activity retention, uh, and so that's where we are currently.
0: Got it. Got it. I'm going to. Um... Uh, to move into into monetization, right? At, at some point, I presume you you need to start thinking about you know revenue related to bubbles and and, and those users. Um, how does you know how does that monetization fit with your your PLG traction and the experience you provide users right now? Uh, when is a good sure. time to start? Like as you're building the company, and and what are some of the things that are top of mind that you're considering right now?
1: Sure. Yeah, so I do believe that as an early stage startup, you need to have a lot of focus. And generally, there is kind of a natural path towards um, uh, being able to, to get the kind of revenue that, that you need. And so to give an example, if you, if you feel like you're not even at product market fit, um, it, it doesn't even really make sense to, to have a self-service kind of paid plan. Right. You first need to be a product market fit before you can even expect to get people to pay for it. Okay. Um In the same way, if you're looking to do some kind of like sales or, or assistant assist uh, assisted sales, let's say. So you're trying to have sales reps reach out to people who are using your product. That doesn't really make sense if no one is actually trying to pay for the product in the first place. Right. That's more of a, an extra lever to try and um convince maybe the uh, the laggards, the users who are not necessarily the early adopters. Uh, and so in the same way, you know, when it comes to uh, revenue, I, I think if you are a PLG company, so you're not starting out as a top-down sales driven company, then I do think you need to start more on the product side. You need to start with some uh, really foundational metrics around engagement and retention Mm-hmm. Um and then you you of course need to introduce um, this concept of paid, and you need to look at uh, conversion across that user journey. So I like to I like I like metrics that I can easily let's say uh, resonate with that are easy to imagine. And so I like metrics that are, let's say along the user journey from first discovering the product to finally being a happy repeat and paying customer and really optimizing uh, conversion rates across that funnel so that ultimately you will have like a a lead to to sale conversion uh, and can optimize it. Uh, In Bubbles' case, we've been very focused on that first-time experience. Um, That had a lot of pros. It helped us improve our product loop and get a lot of early trial. But it also has some challenges. So I guess we're doing confessions here. uh and it has challenges around being kind of hyper focused on that individual uh, where ultimately you know we are a collaboration tool and so you will need a team to be able to collaborate this Mm -hmm. also is related to monetization because um well in in my case i I believe that it it makes more sense to monetize teams and businesses than to monetize individuals as a a b2b uh, business Uh, that's because uh, businesses and teams tend to churn less often um, and it's it, they tend to also have, uh, obviously, uh, higher, uh, let's say, customer lifetime values. Um, so, you know, by focusing on that first time user experience, our focus for a while has been uh, very narrow on that individual experience. And so you do need to be able to kind of and m- make the next step and look at, okay, how many of these folks actually invite their team? Um, how many of those invitees actually convert and become actives? So what we're doing now is we're changing some of our metrics from things like MAUs to more like number of active teams, retention of teams, and so on.
0: Got it, got it. Um so so you're planning then to monetize monetize teams and in a more of a of a b2b uh fashion um do you expect that or have you put any thought whether that's that's still a mostly a self-serve motion or or a sales assist motion where you know when you when you get some signals that there is a, a team engaged and potentially uh, a mm-hmm. good fit then potentially a, a sales team will reach out to them how are you playing with all, all those different plg funnels right because it is a misconception yeah. that PLG is just one funnel, right? It may be self-serve, there may be sales assist, there may mm-hmm. be expansion, there may be a, a more mm-hmm. traditional you know, enterprise like um, mm-hmm. PLG and, and, and sales led. So uh, mm-hmm. how, how are you thinking of those different funnels?
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I totally agree that there are many funnels and you, you, you could optimize you know, indefinitely. There's so much to optimize and there's so much complexity. But at the same time you can ask yourself, is it really something you can execute on? Can you really execute on optimizing all of these different funnels at the same time? Personally, I believe more in this more uh, focused approach of you know starting with self service in my case. I think that I think that makes sense for us because we've had such a you could say um, focus on on freemium and focus on getting that first time user experience right? And so then, a natural next step is once that user has ha- experienced the aha moment, is it strong enough for them to, you know, voluntarily start paying? Um, mm-hmm. There you will naturally see, okay, a group of users is willing to do that, but there is also a group of users that, you know, may need that extra push. They may need um, maybe some more uh, onboarding or education, right? And so once you once you have that's say self-service funnel in place, there, there are no huge, let's say, low. there's no low-hanging fruit that is um, going to take most of your time, then I would say it makes sense to move uh, forward towards sales Next assist, stage. right? Yeah. And then ultimately, you will be at a more enterprise funnel as well where uh, they may not even have ever experienced a product. It may be more traditional top-down, which will be, uh, you know, uh, kind of compounding your more PLG uh, sales.
0: Got it. No, I I really like how you're thinking about that. The progression, like from self serve then layering on sales assist, and then layering on enterprise. I think that's a that's that's a key way you're thinking about it. I mean, um uh, again, what what has impressed me about your work at, at Bubbles is the focus on what matters at any at any given point. Um. If you don't mind, let's go back and discuss user onboarding. Right, we we touched a little mm-hmm. bit on that, uh, but I believe, I mean, as you said, this is something you've spent a lot of time working on. Um, tell us one thing that worked well in user onboarding, uh, and something that didn't work well, like in, in terms of experiments or, or different things you were trying out, and and what have mm-hmm. you learned from 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 those uh, examples in terms of of time to value.
1: Yeah, so we had a early on. We had a fear that if we lower friction, that might also equate with lower commitment from the user. And so our fear was if we if we make it really easy to start bubbles, maybe no one will retain. <laughs> now, so what has worked really well is that actually hasn't proven out to be the case. We found that by making the experience uh, very frictionless, uh, we actually have a a really healthy percentage of of these users that. Come back voluntarily even without us having to to email them and so on in fact right now we 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 are not emailing you if you if you sign up um, we uh, so far we have had um a sufficient let's say a, a high percentage of users that come back on their own accord and so um that has worked out really well right that kind of removing mm-hmm. friction and and really Uh, having users come back because you're just creating a lot of value for them. Sounds simple but isn't always that easy. Um, I think where we might have gone a little bit too far and that has kind of, you know, uh, I guess, shot us in the foot is where we have been um, so hyper-focused on removing every little click that um, there may be less, let's say, tangible friction Um, but Uh, some of that may actually result in some more you could say intangible friction and so what i mean with that are things like um concerns around um is this you know how does this business operate right if if everything is so easy and free a user might wonder what's the catch right and so it's one example of how by not asking for credit card details, by, by not, uh, let's say, requiring an account and so on, you actually may be increasing some of that more emotional friction. And so that's where we are, we've currently we've learned a lot. And we are introducing a little bit of onboarding, but in a way that we think is very non-obtrusive, not, not very, um, it's not going to distract you from experiencing
0: the actual product. Got it. And 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 just to clarify, I think from our audience, like someone can get started with Bubbles without having a, a an account with Bubbles, right? So the first time you you actually get invited to, to collaborate, mm-hmm. um, is, is is that true? Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, that's true. Technically, we actually create an account for you. You know to have an account doesn't mean much more than having some kind of identifier and being able to associate your data to that identifier. And so we create that for you because we don't really need your name or email, um, to give you a great experience. Now, if you decide that you want to drop a comment somewhere, then you might benefit from leaving your name because you would want your colleagues to know that is this you dropping in that comment and so you know we are thinking much more about when does the user benefit from these actions rather than when does maybe you know when can we start emailing people and so on that's that second priority for us first priority is when does the user actually want to do this when in their user journey does it make sense for them to be asked for their name and email? And so um, that's how we've been able to just make that first-time experience um, really low friction and kind of delight users with uh, you know not having uh, this kind of app fatigue of having to try yet another tool and having to sign up with yet another tool.
0: Yep, yep. That's um that's fascinating. Like, you know, your the sign up happens at a, at a time where the user sees value that that they want to sign up and, and put their email there. I think that's that's a fascinating way to think about it. Um and, and another thing beyond anything else you want to share about onboarding, right? That that maybe we didn't touch or, or something that's very top of mind. And and I know you spent so much time on that and that experience. Sure. Well,
1: what's top of mind for us right now is is, is kind of what I touched on earlier. It's, we are a team collaboration tool, but we've made that kind of first-time individual experience really strong. And so um, we need to find kind of a, a middle ground there. And so what we are doing now is we, we are introducing uh, some st- steps where you are, let's say, encouraged to invite your team so that it's not just mm-hmm. you um, you know, operating in a, in a silo, because then also you're not getting value as a user, right? And so there's always the truth is somewhere in the middle. There's always uh, you know a balance to be to be uh, reached. Um, so I think that's you know something you will experience, especially if you are in the collaboration space and you have multiple stakeholders who who need to work together. Um, one other thing that, that we are doing there is. You, there are actually ways to have a user experience what that team experience might be like without necessarily requiring them to immediately invite their entire team, because that takes a lot of convincing. And, for example, what we're doing is we we are sending um, semi-personalized bubbles videos from, from our team to uh, people who just signed up. And so... You know, it's a it's a it's a way of kind of onboarding you showing you what the product is like um, by actually using the product using the product
0: yeah. yeah I like that another element that's that's interesting about bubbles is is and every 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 plG company I think um, uh, is, is virality right how, how do you build this this virality and allow your your users or ambassadors right uh, to invite more users and then and then build that that flywheel. How are you taking advantage of that that bubbles?
1: Sure. So uh, one thing that uh, keeps coming back, not just for bubbles, but also some of the other like PLG founders I've talked to is is really the number of touch points. Um, it turns out that if someone has only experienced the product once, uh, that may not be enough for them to actually. Uh, give it a, a, a you know, a, a good try. They might um, respond to a bubble that was sent to them, but they might not yet start their own bubble, right? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to really get them to, to try it, even though they don't need to install anything, even though they don't need to sign up, they're still going to have to have more exposure to the platform. So, you know, one thing that um, has worked very well for us is to, encourage um, this kind of f- feedback loop between, you could say, uh, in our case, the the creator of the video and, and the person who is looking to respond. Um, by encouraging them to actually ask questions, to, to make prompts, you encourage the other side to respond. And then naturally, you get into this feedback loop where there are more touch points because of notifications and so on. So you know the other person will be notified that they've just um, there's a, a a message waiting for them, and so you know this is a very natural way of increasing the number of touch points without sending you know yet another marketing
0: email that probably isn't very interesting to them. Got it. Got it. Uh, do you do you measure uh, how many users a, a user would bring to the platform by? Uh, by collaborating
1: yes we do um you know there we have a concept of what we call a direct loop user and an indirect loop user the the direct loop users they are very measurable and so what we um mean with a direct loop user it's someone who has signed up um after first having experienced the platform because someone else sent them a link, someone else Got shared it with them. And so you can directly tie them in terms of a, a marketing attribution to, you know, that refer send, right. sending yeah. the link. Um, the numbers there are, are, are quite good. We see, um, we see that for, for every new bubbles user, we, we see about three or four people who are invited to the, the platform. And so, you know, that's, that's great, um, but then in addition to that, you also have these much more harder to measure, um, uh, yeah, indirect loop user. Most of that is word of mouth. It's, right. it's things like right. um, people mentioning you on Slack, like give Bubbles a try. We we cannot actually uh, att- attribute <laughs> uh, that. We cannot attribute that easily, but we do see that all these folks are signing up. Right. And so uh, we can try and approximate uh, what percentage of that comes from that indirect loop. The way we do that is we basically take everything else. So we take all our marketing uh, efforts uh, and we kind of know how much, how many, let's say, l- trials we get from that. Right. And then the difference is what we assume to be coming from that mm-hmm. word of mouth. Got it. Yeah. Got it.
0: And going back for a second into the the direct the direct loop that you mentioned, when you say that a user invites on average three four other users to the platform, um, what percent of those users are actually what percentage of those users actually become activated users themselves, or they just sure. collaborate and then they leave?
1: Yes, well, I mean that's that's the hard part, right? That's where you have to find ways to uh, have them experience the product again. Uh, you have to keep in mind that m- most of these folks will uh, be be busy. They will be doing other things when they receive that link, and so they're not necessarily going to have the headspace to to try out, you know, yet another tool, right? And I say that yet another tool because that's actually what we we learn from users in general, not related to bubbles, but in general, users nowadays in 2022 are are somewhat fatigued by all these apps that are available to them. Right, mm-hmm. um, so that's your challenge, I think, as a as a PLG company. How do you make sure that even though there's so much app fatigue, you're still going to have multiple touch points with these potential new act, new activated users before they be, actually become active? <clears throat> in our case, we I would say we we're fortunate to be in a collaboration space, right? Because that naturally. Um, Encourages these users to go back and forth, uh, and that's how we, you know, we can convince uh, users to become active users. Um, other things we do is, we do try to make it easier to, let's say, become what we like to call easy mode, almost. And what we mean with that is, rather than having to remember that you can create a bubble by going to usebubbles.com. We actually say, well, if you install this free Chrome extension, um, mm-hmm. you're going to get uh, free screen recording and so on. So these are very, you could say, functional value adds, right? We're not talking here about all the benefits of asynchronous work and the behavioral change that's involved with that. We're we're talking about the very functional value adds of, did you want to have a free screen recorder? Then here's a free screen recorder, right? And that's important because if someone is is really busy they have a lot of things on their mind, they may not be in the right mindset to think about changing their workflow, changing you know going from a more synchronous way of working to a more asynchronous way of working at the same time though they might see the benefit of quickly recording something that's on their screen right and then as you uh, get them to try that, uh, you can of course steer them in the direction of having more asynchronous uh, collaboration, having less live meetings, mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very um, very tangible way to demonstrate value. Um, I wanted to change a little bit the discussion. And uh, you, you raised your seed round earlier this year, I understand. What's uh, the, earlier the fact last year? That you were... Last year. OK, sorry. Yeah. Um, was, was the fact that you were a PLG company and you're from, from the beginning, did that help in, in your interactions with, uh, with the investors or in terms of valuations or, uh, or, or, you know, when you had to explain the, the, the TAM and how you're going to get after the, the, the TAM mm-hmm. in, a, in a cost mm-hmm. effective way? Did, did that help? And how do you position mm-hmm. that as part of your mm-hmm. fundraising?
1: I mean as usual, you know the answer is uh, it depends um, but it really does depend on the the type of investor that you're that you're talking to um, however, if you're talking to the right type of investor who is kind of aligned with um, you know how PLG can create virality then mm-hmm. yes i I totally think it can help you uh, in getting the valuation that you want and that's because um you know, investors know that there are typically plateaus to more traditional distribution channels. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. are currently, mm-hmm. if you get most of your, your new uh, customers through paid advertising, um, you know, it's, it's one of the channels where you can really see those plateaus. It's, it's very easy uh, to see. Once you just increase your budget, your cost per acquisition goes up at, until it's at a mm-hmm. point where it exceeds your customer lifetime value. And it simply doesn't make sense to put more money into paid. And so that's more of an existential problem almost because it's not really easy to solve. You know, you'd have to somehow um, pay less to these these media, which you don't have a lot of control over, or you have to increase your customer lifetime value so that you can start paying more Mm -hmm. to those Mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. So really difficult problem. So if you can show to investors that you have... "Quote unquote, solve that problem through you know a different distribution channel, um, where your users are actually um, creating more users, and those users create more users. It's easy to show how um, you know there's a lot of uh, opportunity there, and potentially <clears throat> creating a, you know very viable large business." Um, and here, the limits are more about market saturation. So that's a, a much better limit to have, I would say, than to be limited by uh, something like ad spend. Uh, and then even at that point, if you do feel like you're saturating a market, you can of course extend your product offering and
0: so on. Got it, Got it. Nice, I think that's, uh, that's great advice. I know, I know a lot of, I mean, we're gonna see more and more PLG companies trying to raise. Uh, this environment is, is is tough right now, but um, the, the way you're describing the value of PLG in a very uh, pragmatic way that makes sense to potential investors, uh, I think this is great advice. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of, of uh, I, I don't have any other questions. I think that was that was that was an excellent um, way to get into how you're thinking about growing the company. You know, the different stages of PLG with its monetization, onboarding virality, um, even even touching a little bit of evaluation. I'm sure a lot of founders will be interested in that advice. What is the best way for, for someone to contact you?
1: Um, we actually have uh, an email address on our homepage and you can totally use that to reach out to me. Um, I actually okay. do look at that inbox and I respond to uh, a lot of these uh, inbounds. So that's probably yeah. the best way to, to reach me.
0: Terrific, terrific. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate your time. I I look forward to following the next steps with uh, with Bubbles and, and how you hold the company. And thank you to, your, to, to our audience for being with us today. Stay tuned for the next PLG Confessions podcast coming soon. Thank you so much.